Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans... Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, Richard Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of The Nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip off. Uh oh. Somebody left the door open in Miami and let us in. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker, my cohort in basketball crime. We're, we're actually doing this thing live, Lang, from. Uh, the Epic Hotel in Miami. I'm thinking we put the podcast on hold and hit the pool. <laughs> <laughs> we should. T- I was thinking we should tweet a picture of the view from your room. I don't think. I don't think Micah or Lane Krause would like that back in the uh, studio in Atlanta. <laughs> I'd like to tweet a picture of what I'm looking at right now with the two of you on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Uh, we're brothers. <laughs> yeah, we're ready to go. We are. Uh, we are. We are. Kicking it hard here, though, at the uh, NBA Finals here in Miami. The Miami Heat have a one to nothing lead over the Dallas Mavericks after a uh, very interesting game one victory last night at American Airlines Arena. Um, Lang, we haven't had a chance to, to talk since the finals, you know, series even became uh, concrete. Uh, things got moved up, you know, as opposed to starting on Thursday uh, with the with the five-game series in both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We we got the matchup that everybody kind of knew was coming though. Surprised at all after game one at the way things broke down. Both teams shoot sub you know forty percent. Um, LeBron and D Wade surprise surprise take over the game at crunch time. Um, any any surprises for you? I thought I thought it was gonna. I didn't think it was gonna be as as much of a defensive battle yeah. as it was. Um, I was a little surprised. By that, I mean there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where nobody scored <laughs> for about four minutes. Yeah, I think, I think we're saying, will somebody please make a basket? Anything? It was like Thank the you. NCAA championship. Game. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I'm not surprised Miami won Game One. At least I figured no. they were at home. Um, they've been playing really well lately. Um, I think Dallas is going to have to make some adjustments, obviously, because Miami um, really dictated. I thought the whole game. Yeah. Um, offense and defense to them. I, I just thought Tyson Chandler for him to play, you know, thirty what thirty three minutes, yeah, and to come away with four rebounds. Miami out rebounds them by what six offensive rebounds? Had sixteen offensive rebounds to Dallas is six out rebound them by ten. Those are the sorts of things to me that if you're the if you're the Dallas Mavericks and you already know you're dealing with two of the best three players in the world and Chris Bosh, 
you know, who's who's right there in that top 15 to 20, you're asking for serious trouble. The fact that the game was still as close as it was, as poorly as the Mavericks shot, right. makes me think that this series is a lot longer than some people will assume it is after the way Miami won last night. I think a lot of people are probably thinking the Heat win this thing in four or five and, and it's done. I still see a six six game series probably. I don't I don't think Dallas is I don't think Dallas's bench is gonna play as poorly as they did. Right. If you look at like Peja and, and Berea played a combined thirty two minutes and had two points. Yeah. That's not gonna happen again. Berea missed a lot of shots he usually makes, those runners and floaters and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um but I, I mean I think Dallas has got to figure out someone to get rebounds and and defend the rim a little bit better. I mean uh, that's kind of what Tyson Chandler has been all season. And if he has four rebounds, no offensive rebounds, right? Uh, Haywood played pretty well, I thought, off the bench. So he got, so he got that dunk blocked by the rim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Terry tried to dunk on LeBron. I think that was your. That was my favorite play, play of the night, <laughs> Mike. I, I'm assuming you saw that, Michael, when when Jet Terry like cut to the middle of the lane and tried to rise up and dunk on LeBron, and I they called a foul on LeBron. I'm not so sure. Uh, I don't want to get us in I trouble. Thought but no, I, I thought it was a. He kind of rode him past the rim. Yeah, yeah. But I thought I mean, he fouled him, but that's not why he missed the dunk. <laughs> uh, I just like that he went up for the dunk. I mean, that to me was. I want to see guys go out of their element in the finals. I mean, it's the NBA finals. If you're not going to try something crazy and, and go all out in the finals, when will you do it? So um, I'm very. I was very appreciative of, of that move by Jason Terry. But again, I, I think that this finals specifically. Um, one game doesn't tell me much about either team. You know what I mean? Because I don't know that Miami's going to shoot that poorly right. again. So, I mean, who knows what we see in game two. That To me, that lends some of the intrigue to it. And, uh, you know, who's the guy? Somebody's going to step out of the box here and have a big game. I thought last night Mario Chalmers did it yeah. for the Heat. Like, you know, you don't come into a game expecting him to play as well as the entire Mavericks bench, basically. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I also thought Wade had he, is he didn't play as he wasn't 2006 Finals Dwayne Wade against Chicago right. in, the, in the conference finals, right? And he had some flashes last night where he looked like 2006 Finals Dwayne yeah. Wade. There was that play at the end of the game where he he fought for the rebound and he was reaching over someone's back and tipping it to himself, and he turned and sprinted up the court and threw that uh, pass. The, the pass, yeah, yeah. I, I just saw it. There were some of those moments where he where he looked like he was back, sort of. And um, if he keeps that up, yeah, is, then, then they're going to be really tough to beat. Also, I mean, look, the big three, for as many hits as those dudes have taken all season, they each had 20 points and 10 rebounds last well, night. They did their 65. What are they, 65 to 68 they got yeah. to score every night? I mean, I, you know, what? The, one other thing that kind of stuck out to me, and, and believe it or not, this is only the – I think this is the fourth time I've, third or fourth time I've seen Miami play in person all season, um, and I can't believe it took me an entire season to get down here, knowing that this is the this is the one team that's kind of the the marquee franchise in the league all year or the newsmaker for sure. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me is I've been hearing all season about how this is Wade's team and LeBron came here to join Wade and Mike. I'm telling you. You see LeBron play in person, and you almost – he's so good, you don't really give him credit for being as good as he is sometimes. We kind of take him for granted. There's not a team – and I said this to Lang earlier. There's not a team in basketball that LeBron James in his prime will not be the man. He's To me, 
for all these people to say this is Wade's team and LeBron has to get in line behind Wade and he joined. LeBron always sticks out to me on the floor, whatever team he's on, no matter what anybody says. And I'm wondering, does it look like that to you watching it on television? Like, do you look at it and say, well, this is Wade's team and you wait for Wade to take over? Or does it seem like LeBron is kind of the the bellwether for, for the Heat? Well, first of all, I, I appreciate you pointing out the fact that y'all get to watch him in person and I have to watch it on television. <laughs> But I, I have to agree with that uh, completely. Uh, it, I actually found myself just thinking about it last night that it really, and it's self-inflicted, but it's really sad that what happened last summer has sort of overshadowed the fact that the guy is playing out of his mind right now. I mean, yeah. everything he does, you know, his bounce passes look like the best bounce passes in the game. I mean, everything yeah. he's doing is dialed in to 100%, and it's it's incredible to watch. Yeah. Um, I love the way they use him, too. You know, they... It seemed like the second quarter, third quarter, they ran a lot of stuff for Bosch, like around the top of the key free throw line area, and we're letting Bosch make decisions and pass. But then I think from about 12 minutes to go on, fourth quarter on, LeBron was playing point guard. Yeah. Bringing the ball up the court, setting up the offense. Once or twice, Wade brought it up. But for the most part, almost every possession, LeBron was was at the point and bringing the ball up and, and – initiating things and making the decisions and, and and locking Jason Terry down on defense. I mean, yeah. he did it again where he, he goes down on the other end and takes one of, or, you know, if, if not the best, certainly one of the be- better scores for the Mavericks completely out of the game. Um, you know, jet went over in the second half. Yeah. I mean, and that, a lot of that had to do with LeBron and the defensive pressure, you know, uh, Michael, before we go a step further, you realize we're going to have to change the intro now. Oh, because of McHale? McHale on there. I mean, he's, yeah, I, I mean, I can't. I saw him in the first round of the playoffs in Portland, and uh, when the rumors came out that he might be a candidate for the Rockets job, and I saw him down. It was down the hall, and I looked at him and said, "What are you doing?" And he he kind of shrugged his shoulders and started laughing. And I was thinking, "There's no way he's gonna go back into coaching." Like you know, he he's he's so good on NBA TV, right? That I was thinking, "There's you know, no way this guy will, will give that up." But I read what Steve Ashburner wrote on NBA.com yesterday, just kind of McHale's reasoning behind it. And um, shouts to Charles Barkley, who we had. We were sitting in a, a restaurant eating dinner the other night, and Barkley came over and joined us and, and hung out for a few minutes, picked up the tab, too, which is Charles' big-timer, babies. There you go. His expense report uh, count is probably a lot <laughs> bigger than anybody else's that I know of, so we appreciate that. But but Charles told us that he, he, told, he, he said he told McHale specifically, you need to, you know, you don't need to take this job. You need to stay on TV. And Mikhail, his, you know, he he mentioned that in the story with Steve Ashburn. Said, hey, you know, that's a good thing about working with Charles. He'll tell you what he thinks. But Mikhail's reasoning, and, and this is interesting. Like you, he said, hey, there's 30 of these jobs in on, you know, in the world, right? And the exclusivity of of that sort of position, knowing that there are only so many of them. And that hey, you only have so many opportunities to get one of them. Right. If you're a, if you want to be a coach or a general manager or whatever, he felt like it was just the time, like he had to do it. But do you think McHale and the Rockets is a good? You think that's a good fit? I was telling someone yesterday. There, you remember that TV show you, we did on NBA TV was oh, yeah. two years ago? Yeah. And we we taped the show on NBA TV. It was me and Seku and Da and McHale and. We had the meeting first, and then we had like to kill just a couple hours, and we just sat around with Mikhail and talked. And he was telling all these amazing stories, and I, and I told someone I was like, it was a different Mikhail than you see on TV, right. or that you kind of think would exist. And I can see why, as a player, you would like to play for that guy. Yeah, 
because he had all these incredible stories, you know, about when he was hanging out with Larry Bird and <laughs> playing against Magic in the finals and all these things. Um, and I think as a player that Mikhail not only means something to these guys, but yeah. he can relate to them and talk to them and they'll listen to him. And uh, I would want to play for him, I think. Yeah. So I, I can see why a team would be interested in bringing him in, and I think he would be a good fit. Yeah. Um, especially if Yao comes back healthy. I'm curious to see how see, that yeah. would play in Houston with Mikhail there to sort of tutor him. Um, think we see Yao doing the up and under move. <laughs> I don't know. A little bit of tutoring help working with Kevin Love. I mean, he's yeah. the guys Mikhail has gotten his hands on, you know, Al Jefferson. Um, all those guys he's had a, an impact on have seemed like they've soaked up some of that and, and been better because of it. I just, I'm just, I hate losing them. You know, I hate losing them to, uh, yeah. A team, and I hate the fact that you know we'll be we'll have to bang on them at some point if they're not doing well. Um, so I may have to recuse myself from further criticism of the of the Houston Rockets as long as McHale is running the show. But uh, well, McHale's a funny guy, so if we have him on again when he's the coach of the Rockets, maybe he'll say something else that we can put in the intro. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, you know, in his honor, we need to leave the intro the way it is, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll change it only if he comes back on and says something crazier. So, uh, Micah, the, the other thing that, that I don't know that people realize went on here last night is that uh, NBA Commissioner David Stern talked before uh, the game kicked off last night, and he and Adam Silver, Deputy Commissioner of the League, kind of addressed the looming you know, CBA negotiations. They actually scheduled some, some meetings here uh, uh, you know, that they didn't have on the on the calendar ahead of this today, it's going on. Yeah, it's going on today actually. Um, and I believe David Aldrich, uh, David Aldrich of TNT and the NBA TV is going to be over there, um, you know, doing live reports from from those negotiations or those meetings rather uh, for NBA TV all afternoon. But the the tone and the tenor of the conversation to me was much different than it's been. Um, in the past, it was it was almost encouraging. I'm, I'm probably getting too excited. I got I got like excited just hearing how positive and proactive the talk was. Um, so we wanted to definitely bring NBA Commissioner David Stern here on the podcast again to kind of a school everybody on where we stand. You know, with the deadline being basically tw- 29 days away, and uh, and how that process is going to take place. So, uh, Commissioner Stern. Uh, Thanks for joining us again here on the podcast, and we appreciate you coming on, knowing how busy you are. I'm always delighted to be here. <laughs> appreciate it. Um, giving, for giving, people, you updates, giving you updates from the front. <laughs> yes, we appreciate that so much. Um, for people who are maybe diving into this thing right now during the finals, and, and I know there are obviously millions and millions of fans who, who follow the season all the way through, but a lot of people... Um, you know, one of my sisters included who, who dialed me up asking me about it yesterday are, are stepping into it now when the finals hit. And what what are the the major hurdles we face in terms of the the CBA negotiations and where where we are right now? Like what's what's the one thing your couple of things you could point to that will have to be hashed out in order for it to get done? Well, there are many things that have to be hashed out, but the most prominent issues I guess you would call the money issues and the system issues. Mm. And the money the money issue finds us paying out uh, 57% of the players. No industry can do that uh, and be successful over the long haul. We've tried it. 
uh, our teams uh, will be losing money this year, uh, and we're at collective bargaining, and so this is this is the time when there has to be a reset, and the arguments back and forth, etc., that we make to the players is that we need to come up with a system that still keeps this union as the highest priced union, the highest salary union in the world. That is to say, its membership makes on average $5 million apiece right. per year, and it's time for a step back so that the teams can return to profitability and keep this going. In addition, we want to come up with a competitive system where every team has the ability to compete for a championship over time if it's decently managed. And in order to do that, we're talking about a much harder cap so you can have a disparity of payroll between, let's say, Kings who spend over $100 million and the Kings who spend $43 million. And the way we're going to get to that is through a harder cap. And the way, and the other thing we want to do is to, I guess, uh, find a way to ease underperforming individual contracts out of the system. Mm-hmm. Because that's not productive money being spent on players who are not contributing. And to that end, we're looking to lower the guarantees in individual contracts and make them shorter. And, you know, there are lots of other issues, but I've just summarized the group for you. Sure, sure. Commissioner Cerna, it's Lang Whitaker from Slam. How did we how did we get to this point? And you know, when this collective bargaining, the current agreement was signed, um, all these things that that are you guys are looking to change now. I mean, at the time, everyone thought these were work well, or, or how did we get to this? You know, the world has changed. I'm in Miami. I'm reading about a hospital system with eleven thousand workers. Right. that have just taken a 8% cut, and there has to be taking a 16 to 18% cut. We've got, uh, you know, government workers, uh, automobile workers. The entire world has changed as as companies deal with the new reality. And the new reality is owners are not willing to continue funding losses for their teams as those losses have gotten larger. And the reality is that that it's getting more expensive to produce the same money. Those are risks the owners take. If the if the oil prices go above a hundred dollars a gallon and fuel costs on the players' chartered planes that we transport our players on go up, the owners eat that. Uh, it's harder to sell in this environment. So instead of selling one ticket for forty-one games, you sell four tickets for ten games, and you need a sales and a service and a personnel. Everything that we do has begun to cost more money. Players get 57% off the top, and uh, or pretty much off the top. There are some deductions, to be fair. And so this is the place where you make the changes in collective bargaining when the old agreement expires, and the players know that and the owners know that. Right. Commissioner, having been through this before and navigated this process once before, obviously, is there a difference in the discourse between the two sides this time around at the same stage compared to, to before? Like, is there, having, having that history, is there, is there a different tone to how things are going, or is it, is it negotiations as usual? I think the tone is a little bit more positive. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Billy Hunter and mine, I guess, our third time around. 
Right. I've done this. I've done this a dozen times. Uh, you know, the rhetoric. It's always fun to have a little bit of rhetoric, but it, you know, you, it, <laughs> you always expect some. It goes with the show, but uh, the reality is that both sides have a pretty good understanding of what of what could be uh, the abyss here. That if we don't make a deal, the likelihood of a deal being made as this drags on past the July one deadline goes down because the parties will harden their positions. And I guess there's a realization of that. We haven't gotten close enough to, to think of final give and take, but we're, we're beginning, we feel each other out, and we have a sense where the other party is. And this is not to say that we're going to close the gap, but we're trying to define the gap uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, see what we can do. And there's no animosity. The relationship is good. Uh, I'm sure there will be testy times ahead, mm. especially if we don't make a deal. But it's uh, you know it sort of goes with the turf of collective bargaining. Right, Commissioner. What what is it like when you guys have these meetings? Is it you know you and Billy sitting in a couple of <laughs> captain's chairs? I, did I just did I just short circuit your operation? <laughs> no, I, I said. What, can you hear me? All right. I, I said. What is it like? I when hear you. I. I just heard a I just heard a large uh, you know a, a groan of some kind under the system. <laughs> you guys maybe you guys were just groaning. No 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 no. I said I what, hear you fine. I hear you fine. Okay. I, my question was, what is it like? Just as as someone who's never been in a collective bargaining session, what is it like when you guys have these these meetings? Is it just you and Billy sitting down over lunch and talking, or is it all days with a? Well, it's, it's, every, it's actually everything. It's uh, Adam Silver and me and uh, Billy Hunter and, and uh, Gary Hall, tragically, who died two weeks ago, Billy's general counsel. Uh, then we bring in outside lawyers for some of the sessions and some other staff. Uh, and then we go to a, another kind of meeting where he brings a player or two and we bring an owner or two, which we did last week. This week, we sent out an all-hands alert. Uh, people have vacations planned and the like, but we said any any member of the NBA Labor Relations uh, Committee who's available come to South Beach uh, for a Wednesday session, uh, which I have to leave for at a quarter to 11 Florida time. <laughs> and uh, uh, and Billy said the same thing to his executive committee. And so... We're heading over to, uh, we always go into an, you know, actually the problem is we go to a very nice, comfortable room. We have lunch. There will probably be uh, 25 people with staff, players, owners, uh, lawyers, and the like. Uh, and, uh, and off we go to a, for a session. And uh, the tones are, I think in this case, have been quite respectful. Um, and... Uh, and it's, uh, it's sort of a joint view that the more the more time we spend, uh, the more likely it is that we'll get someplace. But there's no guarantee. Right. Well, <clears throat> Commissioner, as much as I know you'd love to talk about uh, the CBA all day long, I, I do want to ask you about the finals. And uh, oh, that would be that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> These uh, the the game last night, obviously, you know, being game one of the finals, but the playoffs leading up to the finals. Um, most of the people I've run into on the road 
for the last six weeks or so have talked about how this is the most exciting finals they can remember piggybacking off what a lot of people said was the most intriguing season they can remember in a long time for you all the seasons you've seen did it did it have the same kind of intrigue for you watching it from your perspective just not knowing how this thing would play out in Miami and everywhere else I think there were so many neat storylines here uh the aging Celtics uh Kobe and the Lakers to start uh the to do about LeBron and uh uh and the move to South Beach the uh Dirk Nowitzki and Dallas with Jason Kidd you know sort of defying the clock everything Memphis and Oklahoma City uh I was at you know those are those are just incredible cities having a great run uh we uh we really have had a wonderful playoffs featuring the youngsters and the not so youngsters and uh, it's really been quite enchanting in a way in terms of allowing fans to get acquainted with our players all through their you know their own entry point with some it was Zach Randolph being reborn in Memphis to others in Memphis you know, Marcus Old, the unheralded brother, the little brother, but turning into a, uh, you know, a, a, a practically a third team all star. Right. Uh, so we really, uh, th- there are so many stories that you can, um, you know, that you can look at. And it really has caught the imagination of our old fans, but a bunch of new fans as well. Commissioner, I know you need to, to go and, and handle these negotiations, <laughs> but. I'm assuming we don't have much chance of getting you to uh, make a prediction for the finals. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the refereeing's going to be great. I have no doubt about that. <laughs> that's my that's my prediction, and uh, and our fans will uh, enjoy it greatly. And uh, that's all you're going to get out of me, guys. <laughs> Appreciate well, it. Well, you don't need, if you need us to to come over today to the negotiations. Let yeah. us know. We, you know yeah. After practice, we're free. So. Yeah, we're in town. Yeah. We're in town. You know. One of the reporters suggested that we should, uh, you know, maybe put it on NBA TV. To negotiate uh, uh, can live with that. And I said, I said, no, we'll do it on NBA.com. So I'm thinking That's about even better. That's even better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, guys. I'll talk Thank to you. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Thanks, we appreciate it. Bye-bye. So, again, Lang, I'm, I'm going to say it again. And, and the funny thing is, last night walking through the hallway – or through the concourse uh, at halftime of the game, um, Mark Spears and I of Yahoo Sports were walking, uh, just kind of taking a breather, and we saw Billy Hunter right, uh, standing out on the concourse with one of his guys, and they were grabbing a snack. And we went over and talked to him, and he didn't hear what had been said in the commissioner's pregame uh, press conference, you know. Um, so he, Mark kind of relayed to him what was said, and... It was interesting, the reaction, because I was there in 2004 when, when both sides were having conversations with the, with the media separately about right. the process. And, and again, that, that tone is so much different this time around. Like, yeah. I feel much, much better about where we could be in maybe two weeks, three weeks. Not that they're going to get a deal done before the deadline, but knowing that it's not going to be something that drags on and chokes a season or, you know, kills half a season. I, I feel better right now um, with where we are, I think. I, what, in 2004, 
that was when they it was a, was it All Star or the finals? Or the they, finals? Yeah, where they came out and they said, "Oh, by the way, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of surprising." Well, yeah, like yeah. yeah. And so I don't I don't I don't think we're that I don't think we're close to like at game two them right. coming out and saying, "Oh, by the way, guys, we it's we all good." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I I think that everyone recognizes there's a lot at stake. Yeah. Um, as good as this season has been, as good as the finals are, or, well, game one was, I think, yeah. you know, there's a lot of promise for these finals, and I think everyone realizes um, there's a lot there. Stern said last night something about, uh, he said, you know, we want this to continue to go the way it's going, which is up, up, up. Right. Or, or straight up in the air. Straight up. Like yeah. He said the words straight and up together, which <laughs> even the con- whatever context he said, I mean, I just heard David Stern say straight up, and it kind of made Jolted me out of my checks. I'm thinking straight up. <laughs> but no, it's it's uh, the thing again that I mentioned. So many people have emailed or sent texts or commented on the blog on NBA.com about they loved seeing the young teams rise up in the playoffs and, and make you know that it's kind of like everybody assumed this would be kind of a transitional changing of the guard year, right? Um. And then we end up getting that basically in the finals. You know, no Celtics, no Lakers. The Spurs go out in the first round. You know, the Mavericks are a team that's been around for a long time. But this group hasn't been anywhere, you know, near the NBA finals uh, the past few years. The Heat, obviously, with their situation and the way they were put together and then them fulfilling all of the the, the self-proclaimed hype, you know. And, and I, as you know, and as you, you walk me off the ledge and – in November, like, hey, wait a minute, give these guys time. I enjoy. I enjoy. It's not so much that I was trying to bash the Heat, but I was. I was definitely questioning whether or not it would work. But I enjoy seeing the evolution of that team from where they came from, you know, in the early stages to now. And you realize, man, they they are set up to win and win for the next however many years they stay together. Right. If they stay healthy, like literally. We should make reservations for, for for South Florida this time of year, every year for the next five years. And then even if the finals aren't here, we could still. Just and then come, we just come down and hang out. Place, <laughs> place to hang out. Yeah. Um, but our next guest, Lang, is a guy who's somewhere floating around the same hotel. I'm not sure what he's. He's probably got stats cubed, like you know, in the hallway somewhere. But he's he's been watching this Heat team um, throughout the playoffs and watching kind of how this thing has evolved. And it's our main man, John Schumann of NBA.com. And, uh, Shu, I wanted to ask you, and we talk, we've talked about this the last couple of days, the Miami Heat offense, you know, they shoot barely 39% from the floor, score 92 points, you know, and just completely hold the, the Mavericks down on the other side. Can they win not only this champion, you know, can they win this series and win a championship like this, but can they be built like this? and survive their own, you know, struggles offensively necessarily by just having those big three guys in, in, in a suffocating defense? Can they do that consistently, like, long-term, or is this just something they're doing right now off sheer talent and will? That's a good question. I think um, that, yeah, I think mostly they can do this. Um, I think they'll need, at times, they'll need comp- contributions from, from shooters like James Jones and Mike Miller Right. Uh, and Mike Bibby, um, you know, there's going to be, you know, I, I don't think they can hold these Mavs down like this uh, for four straight games or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think, yeah, there's going to be a time in this series, especially where they're going to need, if, if Mike Miller's hurt, they're going to need James Jones. Well, James Jones is hurt, too, so that's another, <laughs> uh, another issue. So maybe they're going to need Mike Bibby to hit some shots uh, in this series. He was pretty awful uh, in last night in game one. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what the status of James Jones is. He's he's sort of con- he's been active, and um, Spolster hasn't really said anything that you know he can't play. But um, you know, against the zone last night, they never went to him, um, and so I you sort of have to question whether he's uh, okay to play. He's got some sort of toe issue uh, going on. You know, watching the. Post game last night, some of the Dallas players said, "You know, we held Miami to 92 points. Usually, we hold a team to 92 points. That's a win for us. Yeah. But Miami's defense was uh, pretty suffocating at times." What, how, Welcome what do you to think? the Eastern Conference, man. That's the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think Dallas does in Game Two? How do they? How does Dallas come back against that? I mean, they got to put points on the board. I don't think you, know, you can ask them to do much better um, defensively. Uh, they're going to have to find ways to score. Um, you know, what's, I mean, you, and, and I don't know where that's going to come from. Like you saw, you know, you, you look at Berea, he's one for eight, and he was like one for seven in the paint. But, I mean, that's what the Heat do. I mean, they contest shots in the paint. They make it, you know, they have, uh, you know, guys like Joel Anthony, Udonis Haslam, uh Guys that just protect the rim, and you know the Bulls were had had ran into similar issues. You know, Derek Rose couldn't really get to the rim, and when he didn't, when he did, he couldn't really finish at the rim. Um, so it's going to be tough. I don't think they're you know, but the Mavs aren't going to shoot that poorly. Um, you know, more than you know, maybe twice in the series or something like that. I think you know, Barea will get going. I think Terry obviously is is huge and. Uh, and yeah, they'll have to find some way to free up Dirk a little bit. Um, I think he was just you know, three for seven from mid-range, you know, last night. So um, they need to get him more shots. He got to the line, which was which was critical. But yeah, they they need to find ways to to get him shots, get Terry shots, uh, and get those guys going. Sure, you you've watched these guys a lot. And and I'm sitting there last night in the arena, and it's fifty. I think it's fifty-one forty-three, and I'm watching the Mavericks going. Man, they you know they seem like they got this game under control. And the neck, you know, and in the blink of, you know, an eye, and two or three possessions later, you know, and I think it was LeBron and D Wade both, you know, just made spectacular plays. Next thing you know, the game and the momentum has shifted completely. Have the Heat done this to everybody? Basically, you know, just whatever the the tempo of the game. When those two guys, you know, LeBron and D-Wade specifically, when they decide, all right, you know, I'm shifting in the superstar mode, I can, you know, we can take this game over completely just like that. I mean, has they done that consistently throughout these playoffs? Yeah, I mean, they've been slow to get going throughout the playoffs. I know that. I mean, like, first quarter has been basically their worst quarter, um, you know, from the get-go, from the, the Sixers series, especially offensively. I mean, they've been in Chicago. All those first quarters were ugly. And we saw last night that first quarter was pretty ugly, and then both teams started getting to go, getting going in the second quarter. Um, and that's just the way the the Heat have been. I don't know whether it, I don't think it's necessarily a lineup issue because they switched the lineup around. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, they just they're just uh, they come up with slow starts, but they're good enough defensively um, in that first quarter to just sort of keep themselves 
you know, in the game, they're not getting blown out by anybody in that first quarter. You know, you just have these, you know, 19 to 18, you know, 19 to 15 first quarters that are kind of unbearable to watch, but that's just the way it's been with that team. And then, yeah, they get going in the second quarter, and then the fourth quarter, obviously, they've been at their best. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, it's it's been pretty consistent that way. It's sort of a, their formula. And, you know, you wonder with the, the sort of clutch play, that, how well they've played in the clutch, especially against Boston and Chicago, you wonder if they can sustain that. Um, but it's working so far. And, you know, the Mavs were really clutch too. So it's, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, defense versus offense a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, you've got to favor the Heat in that, in, in that manner. What do you think, John? What do we make of Dirk's injury um, going forward for the rest of the series? I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, I, I mean, we're we're just gonna have to see what happens on Thursday. Um, see how he shoots. Um, you know, he he after he got hurt, he made he made a shot and he made two free throws. So I, you know, I don't I don't know. Maybe it'll be in worse condition at the, the uh, you know afterward. Maybe he was just sort of playing on adrenaline after that. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's a, that's obviously a huge question. If that if he's hurt and can't shoot, then obviously the uh, the Mavs are uh, seriously neutralized. Right. The, shoot, watching the Heat, the the other thing that really sticks out to me is is there a is there a system you could try, like, a, or some kind of scheme that you could come up with to take them out of whatever they do? I mean, they they look like a team that can play basically any style you want to play. Like, they could, if you want to run all night, they got the guys that can run with you all night. If you want to play a half court, now that LeBron and D Wade are stepping back and making shots, you know, contested and uncontested, they can they can beat you that way. Is there is there really anything you can do other than maybe just shoot absolutely shoot the lights out? On them to one, one thing I thought the Mavs did really well was get back in transition. I think the Heat only had seven fast break points, and that's with the Mavs missing a ton of shots and and having a handful of uh, turnovers. I thought the Mavs did really well in just getting back and at least preventing those easy baskets in transition. I mean, there were a couple, but mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I thought their transition defense was great. And then, you know, obviously they went to zone a lot, but I thought the Heat were very prepared for that, and they found some holes in the zone. Um, you know, a couple of those corner threes from Chalmers were against the zone where he's just sort of roaming the baseline and finding the spot um, before that defender can find him, and they found him in the corner uh, for a couple of those threes. Um, so it'll be a matter of, you know, maybe using that zone but being a little bit more aware of, of where those guys are and then, you know, when LeBron, like that shot, at, what was it, at the end of the third quarter where he sort of just hit yeah. a fadeaway three from the right wing, like at the buzzer. I don't think there's a system that can stop that, you know. Yeah. I don't, I haven't, they haven't found one yet. Yeah. But I think Dallas would probably be okay with <laughs> if LeBron's going to shoot those that shot the entire game. Yeah. You know, they'd probably be okay. With that. Hey, I, one thing I like I, to see that. I like to see him just do that on every possession. <laughs> I thought Spolster said something interesting post game when they asked him about, uh, the way that the, the, the heat have been closing and, and playing, you know, for lack of a better term, clutch in the fourth quarters. 
and he mentioned that you know during the regular season that's something they took a lot of heat for, but in the in the playoffs he said almost every game has come down to that, and it's been um, they've kind of been tested a lot in the playoffs, and and now I think I think we're kind of seeing that they know what they're doing, and and what how does that, how does that look to you? I mean, is that do you think that's why sort of LeBron and, and Wade are, are able to close these games out right now? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think, you know, the regular season stuff was a little bit overblown. I think clutch play, you know, from a statistical standpoint, is a little random. So right. um, in one case, you know, it was overblown in, in the regular season, and in another case, maybe they're playing a little bit over their heads in the postseason. Um, but you got to give them credit. I mean, LeBron has hit some a ton of huge shots and a lot of threes. Yeah. Um, in the playoffs, in especially uh, you know, especially the Celtics series and the Chicago series, they weren't you know he didn't shoot all that well um, in clutch moments against Philadelphia, but um, he's been great. And there's you know, it, it, we'll see if it lasts. You know, we'll see if. And I think you know, a couple more of these games are going to come down to those moments. But what the D, what the Heat have that maybe the Mavs don't have is a better defense to stop the Mavs in those moments too, whereas you don't have to hit, you know, 50% of your shots in those sort of clutch moments if you're going to get stops, you know, three out of four times down the floor. So um, that's what the Heat have as their backbone, and that's sort of, you know, their fallback. And even if they're not hitting clutch shots, they're still um, getting stops, and that's, and that's maybe more important. Yeah, sure. I know, I know you got deadlines, obviously, but I wanted to ask you one last thing before we let you go. And and I was thinking about it last night after the game when we, you know, we shuttled back from the arena to the hotel here, and I keep hearing this thing that this is, you know, Wade's team, and I and I brought it up earlier to Lang and, and to Micah that this is Wade's team, and that LeBron joined Wade, and that you know, even you know, even his biggest critics, you know, snarking and calling him. Scotty Pippen and you know blah blah, blah and, and Wade is the Michael Jordan. It, does it look to you like LeBron has taken some sort of backseat? Because to me, it doesn't. To me, it looks like whatever team LeBron James is on, he becomes the center of that team. Whether anybody likes it or not, whether it makes sense or not, just physically the way he plays, the presence. This, you know. Everybody says this is Wade County. This looks like LeBron's team to me, and I and I don't mean that to to cast any aspersions on Dwayne Wade or to take anything from Wade, but this seems like LeBron's team to me. And I'm wondering what it looks like to you, having watched him as much as you have uh, these last few weeks. I agree with that. I mean, I don't like to put labels on it like that. Like, oh, this yeah. is LeBron's team, and and Dwayne Wade is number two. It, you know, it's it's more one and one a to me. But I know it's been LeBron's playoffs. You know, I mean, he's been he's been the best player on that team in these playoffs, and he's been the one um, that's been more important in these playoffs. And if you were to name a playoff MVP, he'd have to be he'd have to be the one. Wow. Um, and Wade, you know, he's had his moments though too. I mean, I don't you know, the Heat aren't here without him either. So it's not yeah. like you can take one away and and they'll be okay. It's it's but yeah, I think LeBron has been um, obviously the better player, the more important player um, in the playoffs and in the regular season. Right. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, it's it's his team. But you know, the great thing is that they don't really care. They don't seem to care. You know, who's the star or who's you know star one and who's star one a. You know, they do their press conferences and interviews all together. You know, they uh, they're sort of quick to play off of each other. Um, that's the best thing about it is that you know they've learned to play with each other. Learned each of each of them has learned to play off the ball. And that's what makes you know Miami so dangerous because if these guys are just playing sort of one-on-one ball and all the time and 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 not you know sort of interacting with each other offensively, then they'd be much easier to defend. But when these guys, you know, when LeBron's driving to the basket and then all of a sudden Wade's cutting from the weak side and he finds him, you know, for a cut and and you know you can't stop that, you know, and it makes it so much makes them so much more difficult to defend and that's the great thing about them is over the season over the course of the season they've learned to play off the ball and play off of each other and that's just made them so much more dangerous yeah yeah and, I, and like i said i i feel, i'm my point is really to kind of dismiss this notion that lebron is taking a backseat but again you know i do that not wanting to knock Dwayne wade at all either so it's just a tough it's a tough thing. I think the the collaboration though has obviously worked as well as anyone could have imagined, and um, I'm, I enjoy watching it. And I'm gonna look forward to seeing it the rest of this series. Shoe, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, I don't have to tell you to get to work because I know somebody else is probably sending you an email right now asking for something. So uh, pre- <laughs> appreciate the time. Everything down on the 22nd floor there, Seku. <laughs> How's the weather down there? It looks good down here. I, I don't want to make Michael feel any worse. He's already he's already commented a couple of times that we're we're poking the bear by by mentioning <laughs> the view and you know where we are. But uh, it is pretty now. I'm not I'm not going to complain. We got to be down here on the regular. If we each lean over our balcony, I think we could see each other. <laughs> no question, man. Look, I'll see you later. We're definitely doing lunch this afternoon, so be ready. All right, appreciate it. Later. Okay, John. All right, Lang. So, I mean, we we can't get any better than, than what we've had after one game of these finals. To me, and the only thing that could do, you know, we could have that's even better is if we, if both teams shoot lights out and shoot sixty percent, and you know, and we have a hundred and thirty point shootout. But I mean, we, we've got the two best teams. We got a great locale, you know. I mean, we got positive vibes coming from the CBA negotiations. The, I mean, what's left? Trip to trip somewhere to get some good food. Yeah, that's what I was. I thinking. think I think that's next up on our uh, <laughs> dinner is what's left. Dinner, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Michael, we'll get you a doggy bag and <laughs> and FedEx it back to Atlanta so you don't feel left out. How about that? All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, that is that is the that, episode fifty eight. Yes, episode fifty eight. That is that is the wrap on episode fifty eight. We got to give uh, some major shouts to John Schumann of NBA.com, Mr. Stats Cube himself joining us, and uh, NBA Commissioner David Stern for taking some time out of his busy schedule uh, to, to come on and, and talk CBA with us as well as finals. Lang, the next time we get at this, we could we could be digging into the Dallas portion of this series, or we could be wrapping up this series depending on what happens the next few days. So, um, I don't know. We'll we'll try and reconvene wherever we are next week this time. Let's enjoy it while it lasts. And uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's finish soaking up some of this South Beach sun. We LeBron James is not the only person who took his talents to South Beach. Is all I got to say right now. It's packed. <laughs> it's packed down here. 
and whatever talent some of the rest of us have, however minimal they may be, <laughs> they, are, they are definitely here. So we appreciate you coming on and rocking with us on the Hangtime Podcast, and we will see you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 